Alex Mosen, and welcome to a special edition of Winner Take All. Really talking about B2B distribution getting squeezed from all sides. And we've got a great chance because the show is about how to fight back and win against big tech. And we've got a great chance to do exactly that. We've got uh, Senator Klobuchar on the verge of getting enough support inside of Congress, both within the Senate and then there's another bill in the House to bring this bill called the American Innovation and Choice Online Act. In our prior episodes, we've talked about over $100 million in big tech lobbying money being spent to go against this very bill and another bill which would go which would help rein in big tech. This bill, if we just read it off the top, this bill prohibits certain large online platforms from engaging in specified acts including giving preference to their own products on the platform, unfairly limiting the availability on the platform of competing products from another business, or discriminating in the application or enforcement of the platform's terms of service among similarly situated users. Basically, all it's saying is, if you are a platform where your business is predicated upon creating value by facilitating exchange from third parties, you, as the platform monopoly, cannot give an unfair advantage to your own products and you can't pick and choose winners. You got to have a common set of rules and everyone can play by the same rules, but you got to stop playing favorites. And this is limited to just go after the tech monopolies. So Amazon, Google, Apple, Microsoft, It's a phenomenal bill. It's one of the five things that came out of the House Judiciary Committee over two years ago in the summer of 2020. We live streamed that session. And now now two plus years later, it's finally come to the point where we're at the brink. Is this going to be brought to the floor to vote on or not? So I give credit to the NAW, the National Association of Wholesale Distributors, Uh, They have been on the charge this whole way for now years, helping to really bring this topic front and center. And they've got a great part of their website here, which is how to take action. What can you do? Contact your senators to support the bipartisan Amazon bill. This obviously will hurt Amazon, but it'll also hurt other tech monopolies as well. Even better, right? This is the legislation they're talking about, S-2992. That's the thing I was just showing you, this S-2992, the American Innovation and Choice Online Act. And basically, they can give you a message here, right? Uh, Email this message. They give you some text here. Put in your information, and actually, they will just send it out for you. I implore you to go do this. Contact contact your senator. Contact your uh, congressman or woman. Contact your representatives to bring this bill forward. It's vitally important. Now let's go to the other side. Let's look at Amazon has their own little website uh, about why this would be really, really bad. Congress is considering legislation that jeopardizes two of the things American consumers love most about Amazon. The vast selection and low prices made possible by opening our store to third-party selling partners and the promise of fast, free shipping through Amazon Prime. It honestly has nothing to do, like what they're talking about has nothing to do with what, I just read you the bill, or the highlight of the bill, saying, hey, Amazon, you can't favor your own products and disadvantage your third parties 
at the ex- at their expense to favor your own products and services. Amazon is saying, well, this is going to limit the vast selection and low prices made possible by opening our store to third-party selling partners. Huh? No, the whole point is that you're screwing your third-party selling partners, Amazon, to advantage yourself over them and cram them down. And then they say, oh, well, and we're only targeting a handful of American companies, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Google, and Microsoft, which have very different business models, says Amazon. Well, funny you should say that because I kind of wrote a book about this whole thing and you actually all have the same business model. It's called the platform business model. And the unique thing about the platform business model is that you create value by enabling exchange. Every platform business dating back to Microsoft in the 90s has gotten in trouble for this very same thing that you're doing, Amazon, which is when you prioritize your own products over what made you successful, which is third parties. What made you successful, Amazon, and you talk about it on your own page, is that you now have over 60% of the products on your website from third-party sellers. Then why would you try to screw your third-party sellers? Well, that doesn't make any sense, right? Because that's your business model. You enable exchange. The third-party sellers, they come to you to sell to your customers. Why? Would you cram down third-party sellers on your search listings and force them to buy ads to stay relevant? Why would you take the information from the third-party sellers on what's selling the best and just literally copy their products and make your own through Amazon Basics? Why would you force your third-party sellers who aren't the manufacturer to give you their purchase order of who they're buying these products from because you say you want to verify that the products are genuine or authentic. Meanwhile, you have half of your products coming from Chinese factories, which are probably half fake. But no, you still get the purchase orders from your third-party sellers, and then you just end around them and source directly from the manufacturers and cut out the third-party sellers and distributors entirely, right? Why would you do all of those things and so many other things? If you truly, really cared about this point, which is, Vast selection and low prices made possible by third-party selling partners. That's right, because you're a monopoly. And when you are a monopoly, you can take advantage of who? You can take advantage of not the consumer. When you are a platform monopoly, you take advantage of the producer. You take advantage of third-party sellers as Amazon. You take advantage of third-party websites as Google Search. You take advantage of third-party content creators as YouTube, as Twitch, as the Apple App Store, Google Android Store, uh, Facebook and Instagram, you take advantage of the very thing that made you successful. And that is why this legislation is so important. And actually, if you look around the world, the rest of the world has figured this out long before the United States. The rest of the world has been able to introduce this exact legislation quite successfully, like India. So, Amazon, when India introduces very similar legislation, which says, if you are a foreign-owned marketplace operating in India, like Amazon or Walmart owning Flipkart, you can't do both third-party selling and first-party selling. And Amazon, when India passes that law and you willingly and actively subvert it and just blatantly disregard the law and actually just commit criminal acts in the country of India, why should we believe anything you're saying? You're a dictator. You don't care about the laws. So you go read their thing. 
Oh, prime benefits, blah, 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 blah. Oh, this is actually interesting. I didn't even think about this. They say that uh, uh, prime sellers would be forced to be able to use other fulfillment partners uh, not fulfilled by Amazon. I actually still thought that the sellers could use third-party fulfillment. And then in this, they're saying that they actually have stopped doing that and forcing everyone to use fulfilled by Amazon. And then when it's the holiday season, Amazon just raises all their rates by 20% and you can't do anything about it. And now they've actually restricted your ability to use third parties. I didn't know that. And they blame it on that the third parties don't have good quality of service. Really, you're telling me other third-party fulfillment partners haven't been able to figure out how to do two-day fulfillment in the year of 2022? That no, you have to restrict this to using fulfilled by Amazon? Come on. They admit 60% of our GMV is from third-party sellers, but we still decide to screw them every single way possible. Why are you the number three advertising company in the United States? Where do you think that money is coming from? Third-party sellers. And then if there's going to be legislation, it should be equitable. Oh, that's rich. And then they point out Walmart and CVS and they say, oh, look, Klobuchar, who's sponsoring this, she isn't going after Target. And then they have the gall to say that Target has an online marketplace for sellers. Target has like 500 third-party sellers. They have a curated marketplace. They probably do like 50 basis points of volume of their overall volume on on this curated, closed-ended marketplace. Actually, a horrible strategic decision for Target, but that's besides the point. The reason why you're being targeted is because you're tech monopolies. It's because you play by different rules. It's because your business model fundamentally promotes a way of doing business which you have long forgotten. And here's the other really sad thing in all of this, right? And this is where I also give NAW credit. There's so much lobbying money going against this. We did a, another episode on this. You've got, you've got groups like the Wikimedia Foundation, right, from Wikipedia. You've got like the Freedom Frontier Organization, the Consumer Technology Association, CTA. You know, they do that big tech conference in Vegas. You've got really well-known nonprofit entities that are saying these bills are bad for America. And they've been corrupted. Those nonprofits are getting paid by Amazon and other big tech. And they might be shielded. It might be going through different, you know, rat holes and such, but they're all getting paid off. And they're really taking a disservice to, to American society, to the American economy, to the way that we operate as a country. So it's really sad to see. Obviously, you know, the tech monopolies play dirty. Just look at India, look at Australia. We've covered this stuff for years on the show. But then it's really sad to see the nonprofits really sink to that level. So good on NAW for staying strong and go contact your senators. What's the other way that distributors and incumbent enterprises are getting screwed? Well, in this way, not only are they getting squeezed by the tech monopolies like Amazon, but also the manufacturers. I want to call out one manufacturer in particular, and that manufacturer is Schneider Electric. These guys are very savvy and they are one example of others, of other leading manufacturers are actively promoting the destruction of the distribution channels and the way that their industry has operated for decades. And I don't really know if they really fully understand and comprehend what they're doing. I don't 
think they do because if they did, I think they'd be doing it differently. I think they're doing a good job wreaking havoc, but I think they're letting the genie out of the bottle. And I've got an example of that going against them, which I'll come back to. So we've covered that Schneider invested in this company called Reno Run, which is like Instacart for same day delivery. Why is that a big deal? Are, are now it's not just Schneider, but many Schneider and other manufacturers are now investing in marketplace disruptors who are trying to disintermediate and go directly around the traditional distribution channel. It's exactly what Reno Run is doing, right? They're saying, hey, you can buy from me, Reno Run. I will go pick up your products from Home Depot, from a distributor's branch. I'll bring it to you at the job site. It's like Instacart. And now Schneider can start to work directly with a Reno Run and support them. All these manufacturers are also trying to go direct themselves. So how can Schneider and a Reno Run work together to just cut out distribution entirely? Now let's look at another bit of news. Kojo, which used to be called Agora, is giving like it's like a SaaS CRM contractor tool for these contractors that um, are multi-trade. So you could be an electrical contractor, a roofing contractor, an HVAC contractor, um, or a whole slew of different of these trades. And Kojo just raised $39 million on a post-money valuation of $275 million. And Schneider was a direct investor in this round, along with other well-known VC firms like 8VC and, and, an, and, a, and, a, and actually a, a GC called Suffolk Construction um, and some other VCs in here, Battery. But Schneider was a new investor. And these tools, what's interesting about these tools, let's, let's read it. Don't listen to me. Let's, let's read the article, right? Put simply, the startup's mission is to help its clients, contractors, cut back on the amount of waste they produce on projects and thus spend far less on materials. Hmm, interesting. Schneider invested in this. In other words, it provides software to help contractors get the best price for the materials they use in construction projects. So they save a lot more money, move faster, and have less waste. We've already saved our customers more than $19 million on their material orders and reduced up to 90% of the waste left over on the job, says the CEO. It is currently processing over $1 billion in material orders for thousands of users, operating as a SaaS business, meaning it sells annual subscriptions to its software. Anyone else see the contradiction in that statement like I do? Let's spell it out. If you're a SaaS company, why do you care about saying that a billion dollars worth of stuff flows through your pipes? Well, you shouldn't because it doesn't matter. You're a SaaS company. If anything, you probably even shouldn't really know that it's a billion dollars or it's 200 million or it's 2 billion. But why do they care that it's a billion dollars? Because just like just about every other SaaS company I see these days, they don't want to just be a SaaS company. They want to be a platform. Because it's not cool to just be a SaaS company. You got to be a marketplace, right? That's cool. That is more in line with Helping contractors spend less money on materials, helping them be more efficient, 
getting the best price in their words, not mine. That's marketplace. That's marketplace lingo. Being more efficient, running your business better, that's SaaS lingo. Getting the best price, that's marketplace lingo. A billion dollars in material orders flowing through their system, that's marketplace lingo. That's not SaaS lingo. This is a company which is trying to change its business model, which is a, grew up as a SaaS business and is trying to become a marketplace. And this is not unique to Kojo. We've seen this with Shopify. Shopify sells tools to businesses to run an e-commerce site. Why does Shopify report on all the GMV that they're processing? Oh, because now Shopify is now charging a take rate on that GMV, 2 to 3%. 2 to 3% of a certain amount of those volumes, Shopify is charging a fee. That's not just a SaaS company. Now they're taking a take rate. That's marketplace. Who else has done this? Miracle. Miracle and Miracle Connect. SaaS business over here, Miracle. Miracle Connect is saying, hey, I will bring you third-party sellers. Kojo, SaaS business. Here you go, contractor. Here's a CRM tool that helps you run your business more efficiently, let you know where your materials are, when they're showing up, help you communicate, run your business better. Cool. SaaS business. I pay a fee for that software. Marketplace business is we get you the best price on the materials. We've got a billion dollars worth of orders running through our pipes. Whenever you do a business model shift, there is natural conflict. Let's go back to our friends over at Schneider. Who's investing in this conflict? Who's the manufacturer needling all this stuff along, accelerating it by what, a couple of years, let's say? Schneider and others. You go to other verticals, it's usually like the number one or number two manufacturer that feels they're in a great position, they got a lot of market power, and they want to do more. They want to push more. They think, well, even if we cause complete chaos to our entire industry, yeah, we'll probably screw a lot of people. We'll probably screw our distributor partners. We'll probably screw a bunch of smaller manufacturers. But hey, we will win because we're the biggest and we're the best, right? I think that's kind of the mentality. But do they actually know what they're doing? Let's look at what they're doing on a really big scale back in Europe. So there's a lot of news that they're buying out the rest, the other 40% of this company called Viva. Not really sure what Aviva is. You can kind of think about it like GE Digital. Remember that thing that then wasn't a thing, but GE was very hot on it. Said spending billions and billions of dollars and then kind of just disappeared out of thin air. That thing. So is this Aviva? What's going on with Aviva? Spending a lot of money on this. Schneider to buy Aviva in a you know nine point five billion dollar de- uh, not dollar uh, pound deal. And they, are, they already bought 59% of it back in 2017. And there's a few things on this that raise your eyebrow. One is the whole thesis when they initially took a controlling stake in 2017, they, they, just, they didn't own 100% of it, right? But they owned the large majority. They had control over this for the past five years. So it really hasn't done any that that well in the past five years since Schneider came in and owned it. So buying the rest of this out is is raising a lot of questions. 
Let's also look at some other things that would raise some questions. Like Aviva, controlled by Schneider, paid $5 billion for this company called OSI Soft, which they bought in 2020. And so still under Schneider control, $5 billion. This company was a SoftBank special. SoftBank had taken out the other private equity firms in 2017. So actually right around the time that Schneider bought Aviva, SoftBank bought this company, OSI. And then three years later, Aviva buys OSI for $5 billion. For $5 billion. But then what does that do to Aviva? Actually, you know, it's nice, but $5 billion? Or did SoftBank kind of get the, the upper hand with this? Here's what also raises more questions. And actually, this Reuters article does a good job calling it out, but you know, in a softer way. The company said, uh, Schneider said, Aviva software would remain fully agnostic, meaning it will work with or without Schneider Electric Hardware. And it would continue to be an autonomous business with its workers not integrated into Schneider's teams. The French company said this approach would keep Aviva's specific culture as a software company. Aviva's products are used to design and manage oil rigs, ships, and chemical plants, while the French multinational spans electrical components and industrial automation systems. Analysts at Jefferies and Credit Suisse said the plan to keep the company agnostic and independent raised questions, right? If there really are such strong strategic synergies between these businesses, which is why you want to own 100% of it and really bring it fully under your umbrella, then why wouldn't you want to integrate it further, right? Why wouldn't there be more deeply, tightly integrated systems here, right? Wouldn't you want to go to market with a joint approach where you are coupled together because you now own the entire business, right? Wouldn't wouldn't that make sense? Why would you own the entire thing and then keep it over here because you are at because you're concerned about keeping the culture as a software company? But like, isn't the whole idea of Aviva and GE Digital is like the convergence of software and hardware and running these things efficiently and digitally? I mean, like this is Aviva's site. Look at their solutions. It's all around. Data management, digital transformation, cloud services, but look at the industries, chemicals, oil and gas, parent, like these are all, there's connected hardware. They say we're a global leader in industrial software, which I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I'm missing, but I get more questions than I get answers on this deal. This is a lot of money. And I guess the Jefferies and Credit Suisse analysts also have some, some questions on this. So You ask yourself this, you say, hey, you know, obviously manufacturers in the in the direct to consumer in the B2C space have seen how marketplaces, Amazon and the like, can wreak havoc and get too much power. And while manufacturers like Schneider are actively enabling similar disruptive forces in the in these B2B industries, do they actually have it all figured out? Or are they giving money much farther down in the totem pole. It's a massive company, right? 29 billion euros in revenue. Just did a many billions of dollars of acquisition in Europe, not even related to what they're doing in the United States with these small investments. Are these manufacturers really thinking about this holistically? And there's more examples 
that, I don't know, leave me the same way. The same way that I would say these uh, Jeffries and Credit Suisse analysts feel. Jeffries said, well, I could see the industrial logic in areas such as the acceleration of software as a service and cost efficiencies. We find the valuation expensive and need answers as to why it's not pursuing greater hardware integration. Raising a lot of questions. I don't know where the answers are. But I'm not sure if they have them or if they've got the right ones. That's it for us today on Winner Take All. Thank you very much for joining us on the special edition. I'll talk to you soon.